and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. Well, hello there. Thank you for joining me this day, the last day of February 2024. Today we're going to be in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus. So turn with me if you do have your Bible handy. If not, go grab one real quick. Uh, Leviticus chapter 16. You ever wondered where the term uh, scapegoat comes from? Well, we're going to find out today. Again, that's Leviticus chapter 16. And I'm going to start reading here from the New American Standard, uh, starting in verse 7. He shall take, that would be Aaron, he shall take two goats in the presence, present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which to make himself an atonement for himself, his household. And this goes on and on here. And so... uh, you know, they uh, would send this goat out in the wilderness. And I remember when I was in uh, in school, on the instructor that taught us uh, Leviticus, question came up, well, what happened to the scapegoat? And he kind of laughed because, you know, the scapegoat uh, knew where all the food and the water and all that is, kind of like t- today, animals, they go back to their barn. And they sure didn't want this thing coming back. It was a scapegoat, all the sin, uh, you know, symbolically would be on this goat sent out to the wilderness uh, to go away. And he laughed and says, well, somebody probably went out and killed it so it wouldn't come back into town. So, you know, picture this. It's a bright sunny day. It's a very festive day in the city that, and it's filled with people. The streets are, are full of life and the temple is filled to capacity. It is the 10th day of the seventh month on the Jewish calendar, and this would be the highest and most holy day of the entire year. Of course, I'm talking about the Day of Atonement. Today, the the chief priest Aaron will offer uh, the yearly sacrifices for the sins of Israel. It is in the middle of the day, and the preparations have been finished. Aaron has taken a bull as a sacrifice of atonement for his own sin and has offered it as a burnt offering to God. And that's kind of where I stopped reading here in this idea. But Aaron has taken this bull as a sacrifice for his own sins, and then he will take two goats and cast lots over them. Okay, and so some people would say that's how he cast dice or something along that line. If it was actual dice like we have today, I, I don't know, but it was some form uh, along that line, I would say. But from the goat's point of view, uh, one would be lucky uh, and become the scapegoat. Uh, Aaron would take 
his hands and, and lay them on the head of the scapegoat and pray whereby all the sins of Israel would be placed on this goat. And Israel would be forgiven of the guilt placed on this goat. Uh, the goat was taken outside the city, out into the wilderness, and there uh, it would be released, never to be seen again. One died for atonement, and at least one meant uh, the people. So this process uh, whereby the people, that would be God's people, uh, stained by sin and thus separated from God, we're forgiven of their sin, and we're no longer uh, estranged from God. And then Aaron would take the other goat, tie its legs, lay him on the altar, take a real sharp knife, slit its throat, and catch the blood in a basin. Then Aaron would take this basin of blood, and he would walk to the curtain, uh, that would be the veil, that separated the inner court from the Holy of Holies. This Holy of Holies... Uh, was a place where God would on this day abide. It's, it is where the Ark of the Covenant, uh, this large box with this big lid where the cherubim were fashioned from gold, uh, facing each other, so their wings are extended. I think most of us have seen pictures or drawings of what most biblical scholars think this thing looked like, even though nobody's today has actually uh, physically seen this to my knowledge. So, uh, but in front of this ark would be a large altar, uh, the altar of the burnt offering. And it's there where Aaron would place the goat's body. One half of the blood of, the, of this basin would be sprinkled on the mercy seat. Then Aaron would go back outside of the Holy of Holies to where the people were. And he would sprinkle the other half of the blood on the people. This half uh, in half sprinkling the blood showed that the blood of the sacrifice that God had reunited uh, with his people. So the picture in this scene in this chapter is there's absolute quietness in the inner court. Everyone is waiting with you know every breath and listening to the ringing of the bell of Aaron's hymn. You know of his garments. They, uh, they would put a bell on it in case uh, God struck him dead. Uh, the bell would quit ringing. You know, he'd have a rope around his, his ankle or something so they could drag his dead body out because they weren't allowed, allowed to go back into that holy holies and retrieve his dead body. So, excuse me, they, they would be waiting uh, for Aaron to, to, uh, to come back out. They, however, were separated from this holy place from God's presence by this curtain that was 14 inches thick, by the way. And they longed to be Aaron, to, to be close to the Almighty, to, to know what it was like to walk in God's very presence. They waited to see if God had accepted the sacrifice. They, they waited to hear that they were forgiven, and they waited to hear from the man of God. So, the world is perishing. The world is full of sin. And, and while seeking out a relationship with God, uh, they, these people, they, they can't find Aaron. Someone who's actually penetrated the veil can tell them what God is like. 
The world really is dying for such an errand today. It's the same place. I think the church is wondering why these people do not want to know God, why they do not want to worship him. And and I've come, I guess, really more to convince myself, but the reason is that they quit coming to church, uh, is that they don't sense that we are the errands that we claim to be, that we have uh, been close to God than we have any other religion. The other religions all claim the same thing. Uh, we claim that we have been into the holy place in the presence of God in our worship services. It, what, a, what a shame. I, I think that's really a sin. We sin against God. We, we're robbing Him of uh, the relationship with us and with them. We sin against others, robbing them of this uh, person, this that can help them and teach them to how to become into the presence of God. We are content to dwell outside of this holy place. I think even in the church, we're, we're growing old and sitting in the outer courts or out in the pews. We're, we're growing cold in the outer courts in our homes. We never lead others to the joy and the life of the holy place. But this is, this is really a, a shame. The experience of, of of going beyond the veil, standing in the deep level and the intimacy with God, having this relationship with Him, having Him dwell within us, His Spirit, living in the Holy of Holies is, is a privilege. I mean, Jesus says our body is a temple. Do we not want that presence of God dwelling within us? What's hindering us? What, what is our veil, our, our fleshly fallen nature? It's, it's living uh, on us and in us. We, we had this uncrucified idea in our mind. We have not died to our sin. We have not turned to the cross. It is our barrier that created, you know, we have these secret sins in our lives, which we never want to admit to. Uh, you know, I recall years ago, we kind of did this survey in one of the congregations I was serving, wanting to know why people didn't come forward and ask for forgiveness and prayers of the church. And a lot of them said, well, they didn't want to be the center of all the rumors and discussion. That, you know, and the sad thing is everybody probably ought to come forward and ask God for forgiveness. Uh, you know, this, this veil is patched uh, because of our unrepented sin. You know, this half-hearted attempt to, to tear it down and to get on the other side, to, to be in the presence of God. We, we, we surrender to old sin. So there it stands. We have this veil on our lives, patched and repaired, and still it's effectively blocking our spiritual progress. We, we have troubles experiencing the holy place. And so this veil is our sin in our lives. It puts a barrier between us and God. How can it be removed? Well, there must be a trial. And, you know, there must be a bringing of the sin into the light of Scripture. Again, you know, I, I, I kind of hammer this idea over and over again, you know, uh, of 
the lifestyle of homosexuality. Uh, there's many lifestyles, but that's the big one that always seems to come up everywhere I ever go and preach or, or teach a class. And that it's okay, God did creates us this way. God, you know, has changed. That's the God of the Old Testament. No. It doesn't matter what testament you're reading. Sin is sin, and God says, stop. And, it, and we sin because we like it, uh, because we have this fallen nature, and we don't want to tear it out of our lives. We don't want God to remove it, uh, let that scapegoat, you know, put that sin on that goat and send it into the wilderness never to return. And th there's going to be pain. There's going to be struggles. It hurts to admit to ourselves and maybe others that we are sinners. But the fact is we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, we, we, we must have a crucifixion of our sins. Jesus' crucifixion consisted of tearing of the flesh and the shedding of blood. You know, I remember I fell years ago. I was trying to be fake here earlier. Uh, I was in middle school uh, visiting my grandmother, uh, in Florence, Kansas, where I fell off my bicycle, and, and I broke my arm. Uh, I scraped my head and my elbows, and there was blood, and there was pain, and there was, you know, and I remember, you know, I had to go to the doctor and have him reset my, my broken bones and, and patched me up, and, and, but there was a lot of blood and, and pain in that. I remember gritting my teeth and why has he reset the, that bone? Was it easy to get to the doctor to do all that stuff? Well, I think even he kind of felt sorry for me when, you know, tears are coming from my eyes and uh, tell him to hurry up because it really hurt. You know, setting the bone didn't hurt as much as him uh, taking a, a swab of alcohol and, and iodine and things across my open wounds. But, you know, we have to have this courage to, to tear that veil out, to tear that sin out of, of our lives and get rid of it. And we might have all these well-intentioned efforts in the past, uh, but we keep, we start to tear the veil away, and then some reason we come back with some needle and thread, and we kind of sew it back together. These old sins are very much part of our lives. And to get rid of them, to tear them away, again, it's like pulling off that scab that's starting to heal, you know. And it's just really painful. But the best way to do it, it really is to quickly remove the sin completely. And it's going to hurt. And the devil, he's not going to stop. He's going to try to take a hold. He's going to try to get in your mind to say, God will never forgive you. This is much funner to live this way. Uh, you know, you can't help it. That's just the way you are. But you have to, to make up your mind. And we're, there's just more than one, thus saith the Lord, in the entire Bible. There's multiple, thus saith the Lord. And it doesn't matter which one that you're breaking, defying, going around, ignoring, whatever, however, justifying your, your actions. 
we, we have to realize our, our own inability to do this on our own. We have to have that, that scapegoat. That scapegoat is the crucifixion of Jesus, where Jesus died for our sins, and he can remove those sins and, and cover those sins with his blood. We have to go to God, and we have to admit that we desire these things, uh, we have weaknesses, and, and we want to submit to him and his will and his desire. We have to look at God and realize he wants to heal us. You know, Jesus would say that, you know, he, he can do all those things. You know, we, we get this picture in the New Testament, the gospel accounts of Jesus healing the sick, you know, uh, various, you know, physical type diseases. But I think this is just a simple picture of saying, look, I can heal uh, your sin. Because back in those days, they really thought people were blind, deaf, mute, crippled, whatever. It was because somebody committed a sin, and that was God's way of punishing them. Now, people can't help that they're born blind. They can't help that they're deaf or whatever. But the picture is God can heal. God can heal you. You know, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14 says, O Lord, and I should be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. You know, Mark chapter 5, verse 23 says, that Jesus says, my little daughter, daughter, is that, you know, this guy says, she's about to die. And here comes Jesus says, I will heal her. She shall live. You know, they, they all mock Jesus when he arrives and says, oh, she's dead. Don't bother the master anymore. But Jesus, no, she's just asleep. Just like Lazarus in John chapter 11. You know, his two sisters really believe that he's dead and gone. Uh, and buried and almost forgotten. And here comes Jesus four days later and brings him back out of that grave. So we, Jesus can pull us out of the, 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 the death, that sin and death that, that comes with all of not obeying the word of God. James chapter 5, verse 14 says, As anybody is sick, let him call the elders of the church and let him pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. I don't know how many so-called denominations really do this anymore. I know some groups still do. Uh, the Catholics and the Orthodox, I know do. And I can recall, sadly, uh, within the, the group that I uh, was working with and teaching and uh, uh, leading, I remember I had to go to the hospital. I couldn't find anybody to come pray over me. You know, and I remember asking why, and I said, well, you know, we're just not really good to, at that kind of thing. Well, obviously you're not, but you have to find church leaders who want to be leading, people who want to pray with you and help you and encourage you. You know, look at Aaron, his two sons who offered strange fire, and God struck them dead. And God would tell Moses to let Aaron know, don't you dare cry for them. 
They don't deserve any tears. They disobeyed me. They broke my law. And now they're dead. Again, this symbolic picture is if you completely disobey God, you just flagrantly disobeying him. You want no more to do with God. Uh, spiritually speaking, you're dead. Now, can God bring you back from that? Of course he can. I mean, I gave two examples a minute ago, especially, you know, Lazarus and the, and the little girl, Jairus' daughter. Uh, I think she was 12, I recall, top of my head. But again, Jesus is God in the flesh and giving us the perfect view of who God the Father is, how the Creator God loves us. We're made in his image, and he wants to protect that image. He wants to nurture that image, and he wants that image to be pure, holy, and beautiful, just like it was prior to the fall in the garden. And the only way he can do that is through the blood on the cross. He can cure that. He can fix that. He is our scapegoat. For all of our sin, he, he has taken that away and removed it and thrown it to the far corners of the darkest pits where he'll never come back from the wilderness. You know, Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, that when that Jesus heard, he said unto them, that they might be whole, need not a physician, but they are sick. And we are spiritually sick when we are continually living in sin, openly defying God, whether we're doing it privately or publicly. And we're all guilty of sin. We have to be able to look to God for help. He, he can fix it, listeners. He can fix it. He is almighty. He is all-powerful. Do we want to enter the Holy of Holies and, and our prayer life and our worship service? And we have that privilege. Because the veil has been torn. That veil was torn the day that Jesus died. You know, it, again, that symbolic picture. I always wondered, you know, what poor guy had to go there and sew that veil up. Remember, it's 14 inches thick. And they sewed it back up after it was torn. Somebody had to have done that. But the picture was, there is nothing between you and me and God anymore. Jesus removed that veil. He paid that debt. I certainly hope that you are searching for Christ if, if, if you have not uh, done so in the past. I, I hope that you would find a group of people who truly want to know the Bible from in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to Revelation 20, in the last verse that says, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. We need to know the entire Word of God. Not our favorite verse, not our favorite chapter, not our favorite subject. There's nothing wrong with having those favorites, but there's so much more to God. I, you know, I, I recall several places where I preached in the past where they just find it amazing, the wide topics that, you know, I was always able to present. They just didn't hear the same thing over and over again. You know, you can always beat a dead horse for so long and it becomes, you know, stagnant and flies swarm around it and nobody's listening anymore. And they're just going through motions. They're checking the boxes off. 
announcements, two two songs of prayer, two songs of prayer, a song and the Lord's Supper, you know, a sermon, whatever. And then they all go home and hope that they can beat everybody else to the local diner. That's the American culture for those outside of the United States. That's not so true in the rest of the world that I've been in, where people spend the entire day reading and praying and singing. and They're, they're there to know God. And, and the rest of the world doesn't matter. They bring their lunches in some cases. They uh, have potluck-type dinners every, every Sunday. And so are we willing to have that veil removed are we you know that idea of sin in our life are we willing to have it removed and i know i said it a hundred times if i said it once we sin because we like it i mean honestly that's that's the truth of the matter i know springtime is is getting close uh easter is basically a month away and I know a lot of people between now and then will start talking about going to church, their yearly uh, visit to church. And I certainly hope that you find a congregation. I'd like that word much better. A, a group of people who are truly seeking out the Lord. I, I hope that you can. I pray that you can. Uh, please check out our webpage, the prayer request page there. If you're a prayer warrior, uh, these people need your prayers too. Pray for this ministry and its success to continue to reach out. We have so many people from around the world, and I'm so grateful that God has allowed them to find us. Make sure you please you hit that like button as the lady will remind you again here in a moment. And may God bless you, and may he always have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app. Please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast or prayer request? We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you, and may He have the glory.